0: Hello and welcome back to the What The Fork podcast in association with Viper Goalkeeping. Hello and welcome back to the What The Fork podcast. Today's guest has played over 400 professional games and scored over 60 goals for clubs such as Ipswich, Portsmouth, and Leeds United, and also, if I'm honest with you, it's played under perhaps the most colourful array of managers that I've ever seen. Welcome to the show, David Norris. How are you, mate? You all right? I'm good, mate. Yeah, good. Thank you for inviting me on. It's all right. Not a problem. Thanks for coming on. We're scrambling for guests, you Need to come on. That's normally, that's
1: normally <laughs> when I get the call, yeah.
0: <laughs> nah, not at all, mate. Like I said before in the <laughs> intro, the array of managers you've played under, if you don't have some stories, I'm going to be severely disappointed. <laughs> um, but before we go in depth on the career, before yeah. we start, what are you up to at the moment for those unaware and those interested?
1: Yeah, so at the minute, um, I'm personal training. Uh, I have a, a couple of small gyms, just a functional CrossFit type gyms. Um, and yeah, since I've retired, I'm still playing semi-pro. Uh, still dragging the ass out of it even at thirty-nine. Might try and try and do one more. We'll see how I feel. Yeah, so bit of, bit of semi-pro football and some personal training.
0: Yeah, you've got some gyms down in Bolton, is that right?
1: Yeah, so yeah, I've got one in Bolton and one just over Pony Way near Leeds.
0: Is that where you're from, Bolton originally? Or was it just where you kind of like set up when you started?
1: Yeah, no, I'm originally from um Peterborough. So uh, but then I first my first pro club was at Bolton. Um, that was where I met the ex uh, so that's where the kids are and, and you know I was more than happy to go and settle back up that way at the end, at the end of the career anyway so but that's why I'm based here
0: so going all the way back to when you were like 15 16 I think it was yes. we're going to try and cover as much as we can with your career in the in the next hour so we'll start off there I think were you born in born in Stamford originally
1: yeah that's um that's on on my stats, so your research is good. Yeah, <laughs> my Wikipedia actually, is great. <laughs> <laughs> but my uh, I was actually born in Peterborough, uh, so it's just down the road. It's because I played for Stanford, that was my first semi-pro club. I think people have just assumed, and it's it stuck to be fair. I don't really correct people anymore. Do
0: you know what it is? Like, Wikipedia has killed me a million times over already. <laughs> like, yeah. people are like, oh, you've done your research. I'm like, I haven't really. I've just pre- I've, I've, I've Wikipedia'd you and see where you've gone at. <laughs> Was your first club, Stanford, though? Your first club was yeah, Stanford, right. like before you went to, yeah. to, to Boston. So, I suppose before even that, everyone wants to be a footballer, right? Let's not beat around the bush. So, when did you first realise you, you had a talent, and who was it that realised it?
1: So, when I was like under 10s, 11s, 12s, 13s, 14s, uh, I, I stood out then. Um, you know, I, I was ahead of the rest of the, the players. I'd, I'd win, you know, the trophies at the end of the season, the team would do well, I'd score goals. So, I knew that I was probably better than the, the lads I was playing with at that, that ages and I was standing out. Um, then, as I got towards fifteen, sixteen, I'd done a couple of. I went to Peterborough Centre of Excellence. Uh, I didn't overly enjoy it there, and my dad wasn't too fussed about me going there. He was just look, whatever you want to do, look, just enjoy your footy. Um, and then it was probably when I was sixteen, I went to Stamford under Steve Evans. But um, that's yeah, yeah, another character. <laughs> yeah. So, but he was the first one who probably noticed it, um, and obviously took took more of a chance on me, even if it, even if it's just at that semi pro level, but. At that time, I was still in school because I stayed on and done my A-levels. Um, I was playing youth footy on a Sunday afternoon. I was playing pub football on a Sunday morning. And then I started playing for Stanford on a Saturday afternoon.
0: Obviously, I think a lot of players come up through uh, like Premier League Youth Academies and stuff like that. But obviously, you went to Boston. But did you have interest from league clubs as a teenager outside of Peterborough? Did you have other clubs that were like, wanting you? And was there a reason you went towards sort of, Stanford and, and Boston eventually?
1: yeah there was a little bit of interest when I was um like 14 15 and 16s and I had a couple of trials here and there um I don't remember being like desperate to go to a club at that time I I was really enjoying my football and uh and I was and I was still stepping up um and I was doing my levels I think my mum and dad wanted me to get that done just in case anything went tits up um and I couldn't be a footballer and then I went to sample to Steve Evans uh like I said, did my levels, and then I took a year to give it a go, where I could just almost pretty much look after myself a little bit more yeah. um, and, and focus on trying to and trying to make it. Um, and when Steve Evans went to Boston from Stanford, he took me there, uh, and then and then like I say, once I'd done my levels, I took a year, give it a year. Then eventually I was supposed to be going to Uni. I probably would never have gone anyway. Uh, and luckily, that was during that time I got my break. But but yeah, so Steve Evans was probably the the, the, the first one who who recognized something and took a chance. And I mean, we've had, I still speak to him every now and then now. He's asked me players, about players over my career and stuff. And I mean, we had, obviously you've seen what it's like, He's some character and we had to, we had a couple of run-ins early on anyway, but because when I was 16, obviously I couldn't drive. So I would be late to half the games because my dad couldn't give a toss. So he just said, <laughs> right, how far is it? 15 miles, right? That'll take me 15 minutes. I uh, would we'll, we'll go there always half an hour. It's 15 minutes late. Steve Evans would take it out my money. So I'd get fined, but I'm like, I can't do anything, What you So then I go and tell my dad, my dad's like, he's done what? And then my dad, just one time, all it took, I think, he flew into his office, I had to wait outside. Bit of whatever's gone on in there, dad's come out, got my money, and ever since that, me and Steve have gone great. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I wonder, what he, is your dad a big lad?
1: Nah, but he he, he thinks he's 10 men. So <laughs> he, he, he's, only like, he's not the tallest, so he doesn't look much, but he, he thinks he can beat everyone up. So, he's probably just gone in there and, and put a bit of pressure up.
0: To be fair, Steve, Steve Evans is, is big in one sense, but quite small in another, isn't he? He's what, what, five foot, 11 or something? Uh, sorry, four foot yeah. 11 or something like that. He's tiny. Yeah, yeah, he's,
1: yeah he's small. <laughs> he
0: is, yeah. Funny though, living in, obviously I lived in Glasgow the best part of a decade and I've come across a, a few characters like Steve Evans, to be honest with you. But could yeah. you tell he was going to go on and, I mean, he has done well. Um, could you tell he was going to go on and do as well as he has done like when you were in I don't think it was below the conference wasn't it was it the Southern Premier League at that point
1: yeah yeah it was a couple below it at first yeah and to be honest probably not just because I thought the the pro players will not put up with the way he treats people speaks to people and, 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 and acts but he had a knack of being successful and if he got a bit of a budget especially he could bring the right players and the right team in and make it right or make it work but I just thought once he steps up and up, I can't see certain top players uh, or, or, or pros playing for him. They'll just think not a fucking chance. Yeah, if I play for this guy and toss it off. But um, but he's done well and he and he's got he's had some he's had a decent you know managerial career.
0: Yeah, he's. I mean, Leeds obviously is as big yeah. as he can get, almost, isn't it? Um, yeah. In terms of being at Boston and stuff like that, right? So you've, your upbringing at a really, really young age hasn't been that sort of pampered. I mean, certainly not with Steve Evans in charge. There's been that sort of pampered, <laughs> sort of Premier League Youth Academy under 23, um, sort of, uh, should we say grown up. But what do you think the advantages of growing up in that environment are, as opposed to maybe playing in like a, a Premier League Academy up until you're like 21, 22?
1: Yeah, I think hunger. I think it just—it just—you it, have that solid grounding, and I was just hungry then to to make to make it, and, and once I got there, I appreciated it. Um, I think a lot more than than some might as well, or what I've seen over the years. <clears throat> so coming from that way, I mean, when I was I was playing for Boston, but I was also working then part time. I was at a dog track doing uh, waiting, and then I was working on the a uh, uh, tip, and I was doing the greens. So I was people bring all their cut grass and stuff, chuck it in. I jump it down and jump back out. But obviously, come the summer, that might as well be manure. So I'm stinking of shit every weekend, <laughs> and you know. And then I'm, you know, a couple of years later, I'm playing football, and getting paid for a living. You know, it's a, I, I'm never going to let that go.
0: And I think, do you think that I, I was listening to? I think it was the Open Goal podcast with with Charlie Austin yesterday. And he had a a similar upbringing. I think he got into the game when he was like 21, 22, played non-league and and dog and duck, so to speak. Um, And he was saying that he feels like a lot of players these days, they get to a point where they've got all this money, they haven't played a professional game until they're like 22, 23, like at any level, because they've been in these Premier League youth academies and they've just completely lost their hunger. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, uh, it seems to be. I mean, it's a common chat with with older players, you know, with with, with seeing, especially if it's coming through these last few years. Uh, um, it, it does seem to be that way. You get players earning thousands, thousands a week who haven't played a game, who haven't done anything, but they're walking around and acting like they have. And it, and it and you you, you know, then players don't really they won't normally last that long. It'll be the ones that are, still have that hunger and desire that will be the ones that make it. But there's so many of the other types, so. I definitely agree with him. Yeah, you you definitely lose something by having too much too soon.
0: Do you feel almost lucky as well? Because I remember social media didn't really come into play with football up until it wasn't only the past sort of five, five, six, seven years, really. Do you feel lucky that growing up as a footballer, even when you got towards sort of Plymouth, Bolton and Portsmouth, that social media wasn't that prevalent?
1: Yeah. Wow, yeah, because you can't, you can't move or do anything these days without it being on someone's camera phone. And from especially in the early clubs, and even you know, Ipswich, what I liked with Portsmouth, Ipswich, Plymouth in particular, you know, because that was even earlier, was they had a family field. You know, when uh, we were close to the, much closer to the fans. That gap between the player and the fans was close. We'd, I'd be out on a weekend, could be having a drink somewhere, watching footing somewhere. Fans would come over, you'd have a good chat with them. Where now, yeah. they, someone else would be videoing that. Oh, he's having a drink, he's doing this, he's doing that. So I think all it's done is it's just made a massive gap between the player and the fans um, and the, the, the fans resent the players a bit more. The players resent the fans because they have more privacy and it's just lost what it used to be all about.
0: You're totally right. I mean, we were just talking off air before about certain players that you get um, I'll interview a player that's still currently playing professionally. And you can just tell they've they've had that media training and they won't let loose on what they really think yeah. sometimes. And in a sense, it's, it's mainly because of a few different reasons, I suppose, that the way journalists or journalism has been over the past few years, everyone's looking for that story. And sometimes I think players know that. Um, but also social media is just so prevalent. Like a player, um, I was talking to, to Matt Jarvis yesterday, and he was saying... If he'd had a bad game he wouldn't want to go out for a meal with his missus in case someone seen him and thought why is he having a beer he doesn't deserve one um yeah it's just a changed world isn't it and do you think yeah. though? do you think it'll ever swing the pendulum will swing back the other way
1: i'm not sure i'm not sure now because of that because of that i don't know how that can change to then make it um you know the player more comfortable about and the stories um not coming out because like you say one bad picture uh one bad video and or or it's so easy one slip of the tongue because of the because of the changing room banter especially yeah um, you could never get if there was a microphone in changing rooms there'd be you know players find them in all sorts of trouble every week so you you almost can't get away with that and i think you know some players take that to their social media thinking they're just saying off the top of their head what they would say in any other situation banter wise or, or situation wise but you, but you can't do that these days. There's always someone ready to jump on it. And I can't see that gap closing between the fans and the players until, until that's not there.
0: Can you imagine someone like, the, or like a set of players like the Crazy Gang in the modern era just wouldn't last, would it? <laughs> oh, my God. Could you imagine the stuff they would have
1: got up to as well? I had, we had Ben Thatcher at Pitch, and he used to throw out a few stories about being there. And it's like, how can that even have really happened? So, yeah, there's the certain clubs, but... I reckon quite a lot of them, you know, even like the top clubs like the Manchester United, you know, when you read their autobiographies now, like your yeah. Bruce's and stuff, the stuff they were doing, you'd think, wow, they'd never be able to get away with it these days. It'd be
0: carnage. This wouldn't happen, would it? It's like certain things that people get up to and they're great stories and you like listening to it, but you really have yeah. to kind of delve back into like players that played at least 10 years ago at a decent level to get those stories because anything five years onwards is just like, yeah, they didn't happen. Yeah, it's exactly, like, well, I yeah. <laughs> No, it's
1: true.
0: <laughs> in true. terms of obviously, we spoke a little bit about Steve Evans, and you know what? Like he, he does get a bit of criticism and whatnot, and and he's, he's been in the papers for a few different reasons. But he is he is a colourful character, and I think the game's better for it. Um, yeah. Did you ever see him? You talked about he spoke to players. Did he ever just did you should just tear strips off players, and or was he quite like tactically astute as well? No, just
1: absolutely somewhat
0: like tear strips off players. And, uh, and so I,
1: I was young. I probably got away with it a little bit more. Like I said, I had a bit of a relationship with him, but I would see him like destroy players up, screaming in their faces. And these players maybe at that time, especially like at Stanford, might have been on 67 quid a week. And I'm thinking, surely they might be thinking, am I fuck taking this off him and just walloped him once? You know, like it's almost not worth it, but then no one ever did. Uh, and and he got him playing for him, like he, he in a, it was motivating in a mad way because you didn't want to be that player that he ended up losing his shit with. So it it, it worked,
0: which is kind of weird in a sense because I mean. Cluffy was exactly the same from what, from what the stories you hear, but Cluffy had that kind of like, look at what I've achieved and same with Sir Alex. With that point, I suppose Steve Evans hadn't achieved that much. Do you think that it's probably just the more he's achieved in the game at those levels in like League One and the Championship, the more people are suddenly going, you know what, I know he's tearing strips off me, but I should probably pay attention to this because he's obviously got summit. Do you think yeah, like think that as a player?
1: I think it gives him some clout. Yeah, it depends on... Um I, I, because there'll be so many players that would have just gone I can't play for this guy. yeah fuck this uh, yeah. I'm like yeah yeah and so then it'll be then just about themselves what they need out of it and 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 you might have got them playing for him because of they for selfish reasons but um, but yeah I think the, the better he does the more respect that you would probably give him initially anyway
0: in terms of obviously your own career at Boston United you did you did really well sort of on paper it was I think did he get promoted that year is that right? Yeah, they did, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. thought so. Um, and I think you had a trial in like the January with Bolton, but come end of the season, you had obviously moved, which they were championship at the time and, and went up into the premiership, but huge move, like massive jump. Um, what are the main differences between that level that you were playing at to going towards Bolton? Oh, it it
1: was huge. It was huge at the time. I was... Because um, I wasn't technically gifted, as in, like, I, I wasn't going to get it, spray it here, there and everywhere, manipulate the ball easier. I, I was a grafter. I could run up and down. I could run all day. I was fit. So I've come from non-league where I've done well. I've, I've scored quite a few goals at Boston, but then I've gone to Bolton and it's like, wow. And especially because it was under Sam Allardyce at that time, who was just starting to get right into any little small percentages, you know, with the, with the nutrition, the fitness, you know, the tactical. He had like more staff than there was players at times. So it was a good time for me to, to make that move, going from a raw, you know, just try and have a go non-league player into a professional setup. And it, that definitely helped set me up longer term because of the stuff I learned being a Bolton about how to conduct yourself as a professional and especially to get the best out of yourself with any small percentages you can get, you know, definitely helped me longer term.
0: What's some of the like with the fitness? Because obviously his reputation in the game is huge for fitness and the sports science and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah.
1: So it was huge. So when I first got there, it, was, um, it wasn't that it was called this, but it might as well have just been called Fat Club. So I had a bit of fat from being you know, non-league, probably eating crap, didn't know what to eat nutrition-wise. So I was chucked straight in there. But there was a few players in there, including pros who maybe come back from injury or or just needing to get a bit fitter. And that's what he would do. It'd chuck, it'd chuck you in and you'd do um, like a bit of a, it was almost like a Parkinson's type diet of your carbs would be dramatically reduced. You'd shift that weight off. Uh, you'd be doing extra sessions throughout the day two or three a day even if it's just sat on a bike for 45 minutes fat burning so it was um, it it was a a big big change but you know he was always on about you might as well wear a weight vest put a weight vest on 5, 10 kg that's what you're carrying get that off you look how much better you feel I think it was along them lines of uh, of that and also Bolton were never going to be the best team technically tactically so he was going to get as much out of the play as he could and and as many other tactical ways as he could uh, and, and look at and
0: he did a great job thing I liked about some other that I heard, and this was from his days at sunland was that he made everyone individually feel like they were probably better than they were and really really important um even though you i mean the time that you had at Bolton, there wasn't a great deal of playing time for a, probably numerous few reasons, but did he still make you feel like you were like hugely important and that you were still like as talented as the day that he signed you
1: yeah, yeah, I think so I mean because of Obviously, I knew the step-up was then going to be huge because within my first season, they've gone to the Premier League and we've got players like Kocher and Jorkayev AF and, and I knew it was going to be much harder for me. Um, and I come close a couple of times, get, like I was in a few squads and, and, and what have you, but I really, deep down, I probably knew that it was going to be a step too much for me at this time. Um, but you would, he, he never made me feel like that. I wasn't you know, outcast or, or, or he would still speak to me regularly and that's all you sometimes need to manage, you, is manage acknowledges You and you're not in and around the first team like oh he knows i'm still here it's nice and you know you'd still go you know train with the first team i still trained with the first team pretty much and when they were doing their shape and stuff although (laughs) i sometimes so he would do shape on a friday they'd have the first team he'd call some of the reserve team players over i would always be after a while i'd always be in that at first i've come from non-league raw as anything running over there thinking it's a game oh i'm going to impress him i would go steaming into players you know, making full tackles, they've got a game the next day and he'd be going, he used to call me Nosha, Nosha, fuck off, get back over there, you fucking game tomorrow. And I'd be like, oh shit, right, okay, I've got to learn that <laughs> this is not a game for me. Um, but he would still always involve me and, and, and like you said, he got the best out of, the best out of players and he got some of them top names, they were classed as trouble or on their way down and he got another bit of,
0: you know, another a bit out of them. Was um, Ivan Campo there at that point? Yeah. Unreal, yeah. wasn't he? Like, like yeah. he looked—he looked stupid. He looked like he was never a footballer. But he—he he really got like. I think that he signed uh Did he sign Hiero as well at that point?
1: Yeah, yeah. Ridiculous was just, name. That to me that was just coming in, but yeah, another one. It's Some ridiculous, big, crazy names. Yeah, you're thinking, what are they
0: thinking? Like, like what are they thinking? <laughs> a Kocurek and joke here for the ones that you look at mainly, but you look yeah. at like Ivan Campo and stuff like that as well. I mean, Jaskalainen, yeah. I think he brought yeah. through as well at that point. It was a yeah incredibly underrated Bolton team if we're completely honest because of the, the names that were in the team do you feel a little bit less bad about the fact that he didn't get as many games because it was a huge step and I think they got promoted in the first season as well
1: yeah yeah I think so I, I never look at it and think oh I didn't get a chance or so I'm bitter about it I just think it was a great learning experience for me I've gone there as a raw non-league player they've moulded me helped me you know learn what the game's all about and then I've moved on and, and, and it was a great club for me in a way that I only played probably a handful of cup games Um, yeah it it was still probably one of the best clubs I could have gone to at that time
0: yeah and in terms of the manager how high how highly does Sam Allardyce rank in terms of managers that you've played under
1: yeah it's difficult because if I didn't have that personal thing with him because I never played you know regularly under him I almost look at him as I look at another type of manager although I've just got a little bit more insight into how he works Um, and so he was he was brilliant like that the the, the stuff he used to I see him used to do with the first team and think wow that's, that's, that's crazy like he, he's, he's going on the smallest and tiniest of details to try and get the best
0: can you tell that I miss him at Sunderland
1: you are
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they really yeah. miss him if Harry Kane oh, God, hadn't yeah. been on corners against Iceland who knows where it would have went um, <laughs> might have still been in the premiership and not had a Netflix TV show about himself <laughs> but there you go um, <laughs> There was a couple of loan oh, gotcha. moves, like yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, Netflix, yeah. That that's all happens. That exists, documented for for all time of massive failures. You had a, a couple of loan moves away from Bolton, but I think if we're honest with each other, it was the one that went to to Plymouth that really proved the most um, fruitful. You won promotion to the the Championship in your second season as well, obviously when you moved there permanently. And I think it was really a golden period for for Plymouth because at the minute where they are compared to where they were then, and they were a good side. Um, did you ever imagine that when you went to Plymouth on loan, it would become such an important part of your life being at Plymouth?
1: No, I don't think so. Not at all. Um, I was going down there to get some games. I'd would I'd i gone to Hull just briefly for a few weeks at the end of the season before. And that was when I thought, enough for this reserve team football. You know, I, I, yeah. I need to be playing first team football no matter where I need to drop down to. This is what it's all about. So then I've gone to Plymouth just to get some games um, and then after probably one day, I was thinking, I can't, I can't probably stay here because of, I'm driving down there. I get to Bristol, I'm on the phone to my dad. I think, yeah, dad, I'm nearly there now. I'm still on the phone to him an hour and a half later, and I'm like, where the hell is this place?
0: It's a distance, yeah.
1: <laughs> this is like six hours. It's taken me. So I'm thinking, right, he wants me to get some minutes in a reserve game tomorrow. So when I get there, I'm going to get to the hotel. I'll go down to the gym, do a little loosener, go in the pool, stretch off, Uh, And then I'll be fresh for the game tomorrow. Uh, So, when I first come down there, they went, Yeah, there's your hotel. So, I'm in some like a bed sit. Um, So, to be fair, the people are lovely, but I'm in a bed sit and I'm thinking, Okay, a little bit disappointed. But, and then I get into the room, there's a bed, a sink, and a wardrobe. And that's, I've got a cane to turn off, turn over the TV, which I have to go out the room if I want to (laughs) have a piss. Or, which I ended up doing, was just pissing in the sink. And I'm thinking, OK, get your head right. This is not what you expected or wanted, but this is, this is football again. Forget all that luxury you had. Get on with it.
0: I think, was it Paul Sturrock who was the manager at that point? Yeah. What was he like? Because I know obviously he's regular at Southampton and, and that's what people sort of see him as, but he did great with Plymouth, didn't he?
1: Yeah, he did really well. Um, he, I think he just got the right group of players. There was a few players like me coming from clubs that were playing leagues above that were just hungry to do well. Um, and also with he, he moulded a team spirit because of the thing is, when I've been at other clubs, say Leeds, players come from Liverpool, Manchester, Leicester, wherever, travel up, you train together, you might have a bit of food after you're off. At Plymouth, there's nowhere to go. You're all in the middle of, you know, nowhere together. But it worked because we ate together, we socialised together, our, you know, families mixed together, and it got an unbelievable team spirit. Um, and that's what the, the the basis of our whole success was on.
0: When, uh, if I remember rightly, was it Barry Hales that was there as well? Did he join in the championship? Is that right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, he's think, probably yeah, still he was, yeah. playing
0: Barry Hill, isn't he? Because he was about 45 <laughs> when he joined Plymouth. So, um, <laughs> yeah, he, he probably is
1: because he was still scoring goals with us. So yeah. he, he just
0: loved it. And I think with Plymouth as well, though, when you went up to the Championship, you actually, I don't want to say punched above your weight because I think the, cha- the Championship is one of those leagues where anyone can beat anyone, but you had a good start to it. Because I, I remember a particular game, you, you beat Sunderland as well. How important is it in games where you beat sides like Sunland, or someone expected to go for a promotion and you're opening a few games how important is that to the rest of the season and making you feel like you belong in that division when you first get there
1: it's massive I think it's massive and uh I scored in that game by the way
0: (laughs) I I can't remember don't recall (laughs) at all well
1: um yeah it's massive (laughs) because you're going into that league and you, and you know that you're one of the smaller teams and probably everyone's writing you off and you're going to come down. So if you go into them first few games and you take a couple of heavy losses and you're going to think, well, this, this is going to be a long top season. But you start off well and you're thinking, you know what, well, we might be able to do something here. This is all right. Confidence goes, you know, you get a bit of momentum. And, you know, and that's what really happened. We come off, it looked like we had the momentum from winning the league the season before going into the championship. and We just carried it on. And then we really played up to that underdog uh, tag that you know that we got. We knew teams would be underestimating us. We knew teams didn't want to travel down to us that far. The change rooms were horrible, tiny, horrible, long, cold tunnel. Just everything, you know, give us that uh, to give us that little advantage. And we knew that. And once we beat a couple of the big teams or, or give them a right good game, then we felt like yeah, we can we can cause a few upsets this
0: season. I think in total uh, was five seasons here at Plymouth. Is that right? I think approximately yeah, five, five seasons and a half. Um, five and a half yeah and then you you made the move to to Ipswich you signed for Jim Jilton um, in terms of going to Ipswich I think at that time Plymouth had had a good few seasons but were coming did, did did you get relegated by that point would I be right in saying that were you still in the championship at that point when you made the move yeah no we were still in the championship I thought so yeah yeah
1: we were um, we, yeah we were actually doing really well I think when I left we must have we were probably about six we were in the top ten anyway in the championship yeah. But the wheels were just starting to fall off. We, uh, we, because we were doing well and because we were such a low budget, we started, teams started to come in and pick off our players. We needed then some new investment to come in and give it another go, keep the players up there, bring a couple more in. And who knows what we might have done because this was on the Holloway and obviously he was, he was doing really well. But I think he realised he couldn't take it any further. He'd left. We lost a couple of others. And then it was my, come to me and I thought, you know, I was starting to get some interest. I was doing pretty well. And I thought, well, this is, this is my ta- probably my time to, to move on as well
0: because you were scoring like six to eight goals per season from midfield, weren't you, at that point in the championship? It was like the likes of like you and Tommy Miller, like goalscoring midfielders in the championship. But I think you mentioned before about players getting picked off and stuff like that. I think Sturrock got picked off by Southampton at that point, if I remember rightly. Um, and then there was a couple of managers came in and then Ian Holloway came in. And I know we didn't play him under, him under him long, but anyone listening to this is going to kill me if I don't mention Ian Holloway. Um, <laughs> what was he like? What's your memories of him?
1: I've got great memories um, of him. He was a, he was a great guy because at that time as well, we were struggling. We, we'd, um, we were down near the bottom and to have a character like that come in and the way he brought into us all. He, he made everyone feel 10 feet tall. The banner was flying again. I mean, he used to do, you know, mad stuff like he'd do, he'd do team talks and you'd have the other team up on the board with all their names. But he wouldn't draw, to write their names. He'd draw caricatures of them. And you had to guess who the players were. But like, you're in a team meeting here trying to work on the opposition. And he's doing like, if they've got big nose or big teeth or big hair and everything like that. And he's trying to have a serious conversation. But the lads are rolling bits on the floor. But great for, us to, uh, for our team to get us back, you know, because we were low, we weren't doing well. He we lifted the whole place. And um, there was always banter flying around with him, which, which kept everyone going. But then at the same time, you kind of knew when, when he was serious. So he just made everyone feel 10 feet tall and, and want to play for him.
0: Because he is seen as like this funny, hilarious guy, but he's actually a pretty decent manager, isn't he
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that maybe get you know doesn't get valued as much just with with the way he is, but it obviously he brings it on himself because he plays up to it so much as well um but there's definitely you know he's got he, he's done well pretty much wherever he's gone, or and he's had some really good spells as well, so he's obviously he knows what he's
0: talking about. Have you ever seen his hamster? <laughs> I'm dying to see his hamster because.
1: <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> if I've anyone never, knows I've what never, I'm talking about,
1: I've never seen his hamster.
0: <laughs> thing is, if anyone doesn't know what I'm talking about, I'm just going to leave that and not explain it because it'd be yeah, quite funny yeah. for them just to research it. So yeah, but I'm I'm curious that's, to see his hamster. it's um, yeah, a good shout. So you moved on to to obviously to Ipswich and you you signed for Jim Jilton as it was at the time. Um, I think Ipswich are a huge club. I think there's no no denying that uh, did really well in in Europe less than, what, 15, 20 years ago. Um, yeah. How big of a pull was which as a club?
1: Uh, yeah, massive, because they were, were a big, obviously they are a big club. Um, I think for me it was a little bit more probably the manager, Jimmy Jillton, Um He tracked me for, for a while and, and, and the people I spoke to after, I know how many times he'd had me watched and, and you know, kept constantly trying to you know, come after me for, for a good, good few months. And I liked that. You know, give me, you know, oh God, he must want me so much. I want to play for him. I want to do well for him. So it, it, was, a big, it was a big move for me coming from Plymouth to go to Ipswich. And I struggled at first. I went for a decent fee. And I don't, I I don't think I could handle that. And especially initially, I felt, I felt a lot of pressure. I felt like because of the, my type of game, where I'm, I am a grafter, I'll work up and down and I'll get in the box that many times I'll nick some goals. But I then expected people to, you know, think I'm going to, beat four or five men and score a worldie. And I thought, well, that's what they're going to expect with this money. And, and that's not my game. And I struggled at first. Another change in big egos, players who had been there and done it, where at Plymouth it was everyone on the way up or trying to, where now I've got players, players who have been there, done it, that, you know, there's some big, some big egos. In it. And, I, and it took me a little time to, to feel comfortable. Once I did, I loved it there. It was a, a really one, a fun club for me to think back. And I did it. I ended up doing quite well there. But initially I definitely struggled.
0: Who were the players when you first moved there? Who was in the dressing room at that point?
1: So there was um, so Alan Lee, uh, Tommy Miller, Pablo Canago, Alex Bruce was there. Um, but you know, it was it was it was the the, the characters and the egos in there that I realised that you know I felt a little probably felt a little bit out of that.
0: Alex Bruce, geez, that. Yeah, he's not well-liked in Sunderland. But Tommy Miller, I was the ex-Sunderland as well. So <laughs> in that event, you know what? Tommy Miller, <laughs> no, maybe not the best remembered as a player at Sunderland, but a cracking lad, isn't he? He's a really good yeah. lad.
1: Great lad, yeah, yeah. And I'm still playing semi-pro now, and he's, co- and he's managing and coaching uh, a, a team in our league. And so I've, I've seen him not long ago for the first time in a long time. But he's the same old, same old. You know? I, I got on well with him since he was great and changed me. Good, Loves his band. I lo- you know, he, he was a great lad.
0: I would have loved to seen the moment Paolo Di Canio walked in with him because I can just, <laughs> so opposite from what my experience of Tommy Miller was compared to what Paolo yeah. must be. Yeah, that would have been, that would have been quite interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. fireworks. What was uh, Jim Magilton like? Because I think obviously he hasn't done much in management since, but I think he's quite well liked at Ipswich and I think he's, he's quite a fiery character, isn't he, Jim Magilton?
1: yeah 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 he's 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 fiery all right yeah um who's uh, like i say, I, I got on well with him again because of i really wanted to do well for him because he put so much faith in me um and so I, it, it was hard for me when he left because of, i felt like i'd let him down a bit but you know he, he he's, he's you know he, he's a good manager and he's doing all right now um but yeah he was a hothead i remember he'd come in at half time in games and he would come steaming through the door and he'd be pacing up and down and his face would be bright red and you could see steam coming out of him and the assistant manager would come in right after him pretty much put his arm around him walk him back out and take him out for a couple of minutes calm him right down and he'd come back in and he'd be a different person and it was like it was winding him up the more he spoke though so he'd start talking right look we're not playing well. I need you to do this. I need you to do that. And then and then it'd be, so look, you can do that, yeah? Because you're not fucking doing it. Just fucking do it. <laughs> and then it'd be gone. His head would fly up again, red face, steamboats, and it would just tear everyone apart again. He couldn't, he couldn't hold it in, what he wanted to say, even with a little bit of a prep from the, the assistant. It would just come in and, and go crazy.
0: Sometimes there were players that were really, really good on the pitch, and we'll, we'll come to one in, in a minute as well, um, that were winners. It's sometimes hard to translate that, isn't it? Because losing's just not in their nature. And as a player, they can deal with their own performance. As a team, you're looking after like 11 players. Um, yeah. it's, a, it's a different beast, isn't it, basically?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's pretty bang on. Uh, you know, I've seen it with a few managers who just think that they're they're such winners that it, they almost, the frustration and you know that their will to win almost overrides everything else, and, and they almost you know it, 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 it's almost counterproductive at times.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, when Jim was there, obviously there was a, a certain moment in your career which was relatively difficult. Um, a lot of newspaper stories and things like that that came through it. Jim Middleton was your manager at that point. Um got into a little bit of hot water for a celebration. I'm not going to ask any questions on that, but obviously, from your side how would you how do you remember that period in your career and and obviously what are your thoughts on it now
1: yeah it's i mean it's easier looking back now um obviously i've got kids myself, so I can understand where that you know it, it, the the feeling come from um it was naivety it, it was stupid uh i had a, I was had a good friend who, who you know, he's a good friend and, and overall he's a nice guy. He's not one of the dickheads of the game. Yeah, He obviously fucked up massively. Um, and all I was trying to do was just to say, listen, you've done this. I can't condone it, but I'm still, you know, going to be there for you. Uh, I did it in a, I should have just kept it private. I did, I did it in a way that eventually obviously got found out and, um, a, a, and, a, and a massive deal was made of it, obviously. But you know what? I just held my hands up. I just, I knew I'd fucked up. I apologised. I went to see the family to, 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 you know, to, so it wasn't just words. I wanted to you know let them know that, listen, I am really sorry. It was, it was, I didn't mean anything by it. I was just doing this. And it, it was a, it was a crazy time, obviously, because of, honestly, I felt deep down that I, I I knew I wasn't a nasty person or a horrible person. I just messed up. And so I didn't feel like I'd done something hugely wrong, you know, on purpose, it, I just, so I felt within, within myself, I thought, well, you haven't done anything, you know, you haven't maliciously gone to do anything wrong, um, but, you've, you've, but you've got to swallow, you know, what's coming your way. And so I just took it all on the chin. I mean, the first few games, I got a lot of abuse, uh, obviously in the press, I got a lot of abuse. And the only problem I had with it is a little bit with my family, um, the press all over them, uh, making up some stories here and there and trying to make me out to be a person that, you know, I, probably I, the people who knew me knew that I wasn't. But, it was a difficult time and, you know, I, I, it, we got, I got through and, 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 I, and I tried to make my apologies and, uh, and I realised that I'd screwed up and, you know, it, and, 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 and that was the end of it really.
0: What was Jim like with you at that point? Was he, was he good to be around just as someone like to lend an ear to? Because I imagine there's a lot that you would have held in, but there would have been people you would have wanted to speak to and just let loose a little bit. And obviously him being your manager would have been potentially the go-to person.
1: Yeah, it, it, and to be fair, it was good because of, I knew it was difficult. For, obviously, he's a manager, but he, I knew he, he had kids himself. And so when he called me around, I went had to go to his house on the Monday or the Tuesday after it happened. And he was like, it's hard because he, he said, I've got kids and you know I just want to you know, cuddle them and, and, and when this something like that, had happened. And so I hadn't had kids at the time, but so I tried to understand it. And, and nothing would make you understand it until you've got kids of your own. And then now I can look back and, and totally understand. But at the same time, he was good with me because our next game, so typical was going to be live on sky and he wanted to pull me out of it and i just said look let me play let me just ride it out um you know deal take what's coming to me you know i feel like i can take it you know it, 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 I, i've accepted it in my head that I just you know to take your take your punishments take your consequences of what your actions and he did and i thought he was definitely just going to pull me out and i said listen i want to do, you know really play and and he did, and I and I know I think that went against what he wanted to really do, but he did it for me, uh, just to get it all done and dusted. And and I had a lot of time and respect for that and appreciation.
0: So obviously Jim left. Unfortunately, results didn't go the way I think he would have wanted it to. And then you get a really easy ride, you get all from one hot head to a really chilled out, calm, nice guy <laughs> that you can speak to about anything in Roy Keane. Um <laughs> Roy, had obviously, it was his second manager's job at that point. So a little bit different when he's coming in at Sunderland and you don't really know what to expect. By this point, there's a couple of rumours flying about. But um, what were your initial emotions when Roy Keane was appointed as manager?
1: For me personally, I was buzzing because of, <clears throat> we had some good players, but we were just a bit, you know, we were a bit soft, we were a bit milky. And I just thought, we just need someone to come and get us a little bit of, you know, grip behind us, kick up the arse. And I looked at him as I thought, perfect, he's going to come in, put in exactly what we're missing and we're going to, and we're going to be fine. Um, there was a few players in the team that I'd obviously knew him from before and lads start phone calling to each other, this and that, and then you realise that it's probably not going to be an easy ride before he even gets there. The, the, like you say, rumours are flying about, his reputation, the way he's treats people, this and that. Um, and then the first, you know, he came in, I think he, he wanted to lay down the law of early doors is that this, I think he thought Ipswich was too soft. It was a family club. All the ex-players used to be hanging around. You know, there'd be a, a lot of relaxation and, 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 and you know, um, probably what he didn't think was enough focus on on getting jobs done. Uh, and he would come in and just sh- and sh- shut it all down.
0: Which other? You mentioned a few players were like speaking to each other. Which players were in the dressing room that had played under Keane? It would have been at Sunland at that point. Tommy Miller. Yeah, Tommy Miller would have been there. That's right. Yeah.
1: But and then pretty soon we had, um, we'd had we have brought in Carlos Edwards, Grant Ledbetter. I love um,
0: Carlos Edwards. You know,
1: yeah, yeah. So players then, were that, we knew that they were probably going to be coming, or i already had that. And, and then so obviously then it's like, well,
0: everyone sort of has an idea of, what, of what's coming. How did he introduce himself, one by one or collectively as a team? Collectively as a team at first. And, he's,
1: and his first thing was, I'm not here to be your friend. I'm not here to to be your mate. Yeah, and we're not. I'm we're not here to. I'm here to do a job. This is it. Yeah. So, so that first meeting, you're like, well, okay, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be like that.
0: I yeah. <laughs> think, I always wonder if Roy has any friends because I feel like he actively fights against having friends. But you know what? He's a winner, isn't he?
1: Yeah, yeah. And he had an aura. I, you can't help but respect him. I mean, he'd walk into rooms, and everyone would almost you could feel almost everyone stop and stare and. He just had a massive aura about him. And for me, it was like a hero for me uh, growing up. You know, it was around that time when football, yeah, I loved football, um, the, you know, the Manchester the Arsenal, the rivalries, he was a massive part of it. So it, I, I was buzzing and like you say, I, I mean, he used to, he just, he just never relaxed. And that frustration that you mentioned before about, you know, being a winner and I felt at times he just couldn't handle like how shit we were at times. It would drive him insane just thinking, how can you be that shit? Like, come on, and it'd frustrate him. And he started off really well, to be fair, and, 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 it, and, it went, and then it went downhill. But, yeah, I, as a person, I got on as well with him, I think, as anyone could. He made me his captain. Uh, and so, and I had a couple of run with him, good and bad, but I think, you know, overall, I've, I've said it before, half the players were too scared to play for him and the other half hated him that much. They didn't want to play for him.
0: Did he have a soft side at all? Did you ever see a side where he was, like, quite friendly?
1: Yeah, a couple of times. He, um, I mean, a couple of times he had a bit of banter with the lads and he'd bust out laughing himself and you'd be like, oh, what's this? <laughs> Who's this guy? Yeah. But for me personally, I got injured on the first game of the season once and I was going to be out for a few months and he was brilliant with me. He called me into his office and said, listen, don't worry, we're going to get you the best treatment. We're going to look after you. He said, get yourself away on holiday now. Take a, take a week, take a break. Um, And I thought, wow, that's like, I felt really positive coming out of that. Obviously, after being so disappointed, I was going to be out for a while. So that that was a nice touch. And then there was another time where I was out having some food in Ipswich. I was in Woodbridge and uh, I was having a meal, but it was, there was, there was my family, there was Max, Mrs. family. So we was all there. So a big group of us. um, And I seen him come up and look at the menu in the window. Now I'm his captain at the time, but I'm still thinking, shit, please don't come in here because... He could still walk past me and not say anything. Like he could play in the corridor at the training ground. He'd walk straight by people and blank them. And I thought it could be a little bit embarrassing if he is in that mood. And he just walked in and blanks me. So I was thinking, shit, don't come in. But anyway, he's with his family. He comes in. He walks by, but he says hello. He says, hi, how are you doing? He says hello to everyone. I'm like, shit, thank fuck for that. Then he goes off and uh, sits down. We're coming to the end of the meal. So I'm thinking, right, let's just get this wrapped up and get off. And then I've gone to get the bill. Now there's quite a decent number of us we have gone through free courses and some wines. Probably uh, your bill's been taken care of uh, by the gentleman over over there, Mister King. and he had just paid my whole bill. I just thought, wow, that's what a nice touch. You know, I did not see that, I expect that. There's me shitting myself that like he's not even going to say hello, and then he's going to pay for my whole bill. So I thought that was a nice touch.
0: So there is a human in there somewhere.
1: <laughs> somewhere, yeah. You just got to dig deep. <laughs> have
0: you ever? Have you ever? I don't know whether you will have heard the story, but about. Um, Obviously, you remember Nairon Nosworthy? Yeah. So when he was at Sunderland, we got beat 4-1 at Preston. Um, I think we were 4-0 down or 3-0 down at time, or something like that. And it was his missus's birthday that weekend. And he said, oh, we we'll, we'll played terrible. And he went absolutely off. And he said, right, boys, you're in on Sunday. You've been shopping. You've been really, really bad. Said, um, And he's, he brings him in on the Sunday and he, he sits them all down. And you can tell he's raging, absolutely raging about it. And he goes, you know what? Like, it was my missus's birthday this weekend. He says, took her out for a meal last night after the game. Little dress, boobs out and everything. Most beautiful woman I've ever seen. It looked amazing. Absolutely amazing. Best I've ever seen. A special night, he said. And every time I was just, like, looking at, like, a chest, all I could see was Nugsy's head. <laughs> so that's all I kept seeing was Nugget's an head and apparently did it really really angrily but like all the lads burst out laughing and he just went oh, true though that's all I could see because he had such a bad game but apparently he, he cracked it with his own joke and uh, he? became human for five minutes and got back down to business but yeah I think yeah. Th- there's a couple of people that think Roy um does have that side, I and mean, there is the occasional story where you hear really nice things about them. Um, do you still think he could make it as a manager, or do you think the times passed?
1: I think he could. I think if he if he can learn from his experience, past experiences, um like I'm not going to tell him how to manage, uh, but I just think as in player player management really, because that's the, the thing that I would see. And you know, being in the change room, seeing that maybe wasn't didn't would work great for him, but if he can address that and 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 you know I don't see why not because when he first came in we were flying we were fit we were strong we were we, we started the league we were in the we were top 2 for for a good for the first few games at least and so we obviously set us up well we've done a good pre-season we've done everything right and we obviously it showed he had something there and it just it just went downhill from there but i think he can yeah
0: yeah, yeah. So I'd look, I'd have him back at Sunderland in a heartbeat, without a doubt. No problem at all. Um, he made you your captain. Now we're talking captain of probably one of the greatest British sides of all time, Roy Keane. So when he says to you, like you know, David, I want you to be my captain. Like, how big of a moment was that for you?
1: That's that. That'll probably be right up there. My top top five, probably. Just just the way you know, that, like you say, I, it's Roy Keane. You know one of the best captains of all time and he's asking you to be his captain it was like wow this is, this is brilliant and, and that season I actually started off really well I'd scored quite a few goals for us, but important goals last minute goals and, and there was one game where i scored in, with, in a cup game I'd scored in extra time a winner um, and as we were coming into the change room and he just went there's my captain that's my fucking captain and honestly that just made me feel a million feet tall and you know ever since I, it gives me goosebumps thinking about it now it was coming from him it was already made me captain to say something like that and you know what he's like with, you know, the way he can be.
0: It, it was, it, it was, it was class. We've talked about the, the nice side of Roy Keane but there is a, there is a nasty side. Let's be honest. <laughs> when was the first time you seen him royally boot off at somebody?
1: <sighs> oh, it, I mean, it seems like it was week in, week out. I, I can't, in my <laughs> head now. Yeah. We pre season, it would have gone off. There was one time he went off at us all pre season. Um, like he's a it, me and Alex because Alex Bruce was there as well. And we were we were late for a game once. Uh, and all he did was just drop us for the next one. This was pre season, yeah. Didn't have a massive go at us. He'd come back to bite us on the ass in the team talk of the next game, but he didn't say much. But he was massively up on his timekeeping, his, his discipline and stuff. So, but we had a game, we, we went away pre season, we got a one night out, and it was like, listen, have your night out. I don't want no trouble, no press, no this. Everyone back in at this time, everyone back on the coach at this time. And so we we're all thinking, right, okay, well, look, let's have our night out. We'll go shit faced, had a good time. Um, come the coach the next morning, and we're all on the coach. So everyone's there, rough, everyone's made it, everyone's a bit rough, struggling. And he comes on and he's like, fucking hell. Didn't I know all you cunts would be on here? You characterless bunch of cunts. Not one of you in any trouble. Not one of you missing the coach. Not one of you doing this. And just flicked it on us and, and went to town on us about having no character. And that's what it's going to take to do well and this and that. And we was like, what? What <laughs> the fuck? Where do we stand here? Like, but, and, he just, and then you just don't know what you're doing. But yeah, but... I mean, he, he was one for timekeeping, definitely. That I've seen a few players get torn up for that. And, and one time, I mean, the only time I got torn up from him was we had played a game. We'd scored a winning goal in injury time. Someone else had scored. And then the ball had bounced to me in the centre circle. I chested it and just hooked it on into a corner. And I could see him, hear him shouting for me from side, And he's like, he's coming, Chuck. Chuck, Chuck, bring it down, play. So I just put my hand up. Yeah, okay, okay, gaffer. Still going into injury time, two minutes later, and he's still shouting at me, Chuck, why the fuck did you just bring it down and complain? And I'm like, yeah, all right. let it's passed now. We've yeah, won the game. Run. Yeah, we've won the game. We've gone into the changing rooms. Uh, and I've gone, as I'm walking, and I've gone, Gaffer, if I bring that down and lose it, and they go score, you go crazy at me. I said, I've it on, you've gone crazy at me. But he's in a good mood now, we've won, and he's gone, yeah, yeah, and okay, yeah, yeah. And I go, yeah, well, for fuck's sake. Wow, oh. his head flipped round who the fuck and then he comes steaming over to me in my face screaming shouting just absolutely destroyed me and um we had a game on the tuesday so we was in on the sunday uh we've just won i played well uh done the team on the sunday bond and then he pulled everyone after that and he said i don't want any player ever again and came back to me in the changing room and i didn't play the next game (laughs)
0: Got some balls there, mate, saying anything to Roy Keane.
1: Oh, as soon as I'd said it, I was like, no, what the, yeah. <laughs> it would just come out. I almost wanted to, I always wanted to just go, sorry, Gaffa, no, no, sorry. But obviously my ego stopped it and I just, he just come flying at me in a second.
0: Was it like the exorcist when my head turns on the fucking <laughs> that, bed? That's
1: exactly <laughs> what it was like, because he went <laughs> looking at me and it spun. And then the eyes narrowed on me and it was like, yeah, I'm going to die.
0: Did he have that big grey beard at that point because that that adds like an extra level of fear. I don't know why it just adds that extra level of fear that he's got that perfect bit of grey just under his lip. Just something about <laughs> that beard that makes you go fucking out, nah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because then you, I used to think, well, then his head's totally gone. Yeah. So while he's clean cut, he's on it. Oh, he's gonna have a little go. He might lose his head still when his beard's there. You think, All right, his head's gone. So yeah. now we're in massive trouble. Any mistakes now, and you you're gonna pay.
0: So. Keane obviously went, unfortunately, and Paul Jewell came in. I think it was quite a tough time for, for Keane at Ipswich, actually, if my memory serves me rightly. Yeah. Um, and when Paul Jewell came in, I don't think that necessarily worked for you because of a contract dispute. I think you were linked to Pompey, who obviously you moved to in Leeds as well. Was it a contract dispute? What happened there?
1: Well, I was in my last year of my contract, um, and at the time I was doing well, I was top goal scorer captain, and so I just wanted to get something sorted. I was happy at Ipswich, I was happy enough. I don't know whether it dragged out because they weren't sure about the gaffer, about if, well, if you had given too much to invest in, not knowing if they were going to keep him. And it dragged on and it dragged on. Um, and then it comes to January time. And obviously I can speak to other clubs. Other clubs are getting in touch with me. And so it just come about that I'd got, I'd got some really good offers. Uh, I'd spoke to Portsmouth um, because I were not sure where where were at Ipswich. And then Paul Jules come in. He wanted to keep me. By that time, they couldn't, um, match my deal that I was going to get and it was and it was too late I, I'd, I'd, I'd then agreed to go to, to Portsmouth um, but initially I was looking to stay where I was I was happy enough at Ipswich it was really good and I was having a good season it was just I was then 30 as well so Portsmouth offered me a three year contract uh, Ipswich wanted yeah, to do nice. too, and that's what it come about but to be fair to Paul Jewell he was great because he could have gone well you're not going to be part of my plans next year bin me off you're not playing anymore see you out um, but he didn't He kept me as captain He kept me in the team And, and I played the whole season out And so I kind of I kinda had a lot of respect At that time for that But I think he respected as well That even though I knew I was going to be going You wouldn't get nothing less than me
0: When you went to To Portsmouth I can't really remember What sort of state They were in at that point But there was a period Where Portsmouth were just Like a trapdoor And they were just falling Through every division They were in the championship At the time At that point Was the financial problems That they were having Was that a way to you As a player?
1: No, because of they would had it, and now they're supposed to be out of it. they've got a new owner worth two hundred million he's come in um, they can get back on track again uh, and so it was like, well, this is the start of a, a new era with them they, get, they it's, it's all good. Uh, it was only a couple of months into the season though that that owner then gets his bank accounts frozen uh for dodgy dealings, and then it, it's back to where it was before, so it's like the worst luck almost but or some bad due diligence but it's, they're getting it's killed them again, and so we've gone from hopefully a a, a new start some good some good players in there as well that was a changing room that you know had some some big egos and some big players and we've gone from there to then you know back into administration players not getting paid players having to leave um, staff being laid off and, and it was tough and but the club, when I first went there, I was surprised because I thought they've, they've had a good few years. They've been in the Premier League. I know they've had the financial issues, but I still expect them to maybe go and have a decent training ground, own their own training ground. And, yeah. You know, they were playing players all this massive dough and got there and they, they, they're training out of like a school. And, you know, they don't own the ground. They don't own the training ground. And it's like, I don't know, what, what has happened to this? Where's all this money gone? But you just thought it was going to be a new a, a new, a big change. And I thought, well, this would be good for me. You know, I, I, I'm... I think with the investment and, and the players that are already here this could, this could be good but within a couple of months it's it start to go sour.
0: And it was, Mike, was it Michael Appleton was the manager at that point? It was Steve Cottrell at first then he oh. left and then
1: Michael Appleton came come in while we was already in.
0: Steve <laughs> Cotterill, <that> <laughs> Talk to me about Steve Cottrell. Come on. <laughs> go on. What do you say? What you got? <laughs> well he was at he was, he was at Sullinan as the assistant under Howard Wilkinson. Jesus Christ. Um, he used to, so Wilkinson was the manager and Cotwell just used to write notes all of the time. And my, my abiding memory of Steve Cotwell was we got relegated with 19 points that season, which at that point was like a record low. And then we beat yeah. it again as it was. But <laughs> um, he, he he was running up and down. I think we, we I'm sure it was a Charlton game where we scored three own goals in seven minutes. And He's writing all these notes down and he was vigorously writing these notes down, and then going back in to see Howard Wilkinson, and then coming back out and then writing them again. And there was a point when he sort of just stopped for about 10 seconds. He just stopped writing, and this fan just stood up and went, What's the matter, Steve? Do you not know how to spell shite? And it was just, <laughs> That's my bad memory of Cottle. Brilliant. <laughs> but was he, was he, what was he like as a manager? Did he get much time with him?
1: Ish. I mean, it was only a few, a couple of months. Uh, and again, it was, he was an emotional guy. So he sort of wore his heart on his sleeve. So it's it, some lads like that. Some lads don't. Um, and, uh, and, and we started off again, we started off. Okay. So I can't really, He I, 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 brought me into the club. So I, I, I got some time for that, but I don't really, I didn't really work with him long enough to really know, you know, th- th- exactly how he worked in the ins and outs. Within a couple of months, he was gone and we've really only just done a pre-season.
0: Was Abelden good? Because obviously he's got a, he's, he's held a quite decent reputation, hasn't he, since then?
1: Yeah, no, he's good. He's good. Great on the training grounds, you know, knows, knows what to do. You know, you see the training was good, the tactics were good. Uh, and, and, and he, you know, he, he gave it a right good goal with us, especially once we've had to bring in youth team players in, and low knees. Uh Yeah, I liked him. I, 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 I thought he, I mean, he has kicked on and done really well and I fully expected him to probably go on and, get a decent job in his own
0: right With um, with Appleton I've seen I was at the we, we played uh, Lincoln this season and I think it was his, his first home game or his second home game and he's massive now he's proper like huge was he that big then has he always been that big or is that like, just that muscle yeah like he's he's, he's, he's like oh. oh mate no
1: he's always been that and he used to wear these fitted jumpers and he, that's the straight away you look at Magic going yeah we're not gonna fuck with him. His <laughs> arms are like yeah, gigantor, aren't they? No, yeah. he's always been, He was like that like, at Portsmouth. And it, like I say, he wore tight jumpers and stuff
0: as well, so he looked just full-on incredible Hulk. He's like an X-Man, isn't he? Or an X-Man, an X-Man, <laughs> yes. X-Man, X-Man, X-Man. X-Man. Um, he's he after is. the enormous. Now, I, I've got a friend who you've spoken to before. We spoke about Hugh from the, the Pompey cast. And I think, if I said to him, David Norris, memories, and it just first thing he said was Southampton away, ninety third minute equaliser, and obviously I've watched it back, and it was a decent strike. Um, <laughs> talk, talk me sort of through that that moment when you, you're banging a ninety third minute equaliser in a, a derby.
1: Yeah, I, I've said it before. It's the, the, the single best feeling I've ever had in my career. Um, you know that instant, that split. You know, a few seconds of of just pure, you know, uncontrollable, you know, happiness, and it was. It was just that everything that went with it, we, we had a, uh, you know, I knew realized then, I played in a couple of derbies before, but this was a hatred derby. You know, we yeah. were driving in on the coach and you know, things are being thrown. People are swearing at us from five-year-olds to grannies. It was a proper hatred. Um, and so we knew what it meant, but going into it, I'm thinking damage limitation. I was probably, if I'm totally honest, was probably thinking I take a one nil, I take a two nil loss here today. Just to, cause it could be five, it could be six, and we could be humiliated. Yeah. Um, we were we had, you know, players in on loan. We had youth team players in. We were we were going to be deducted ten points. We were going to get relegated. They're flying top. They've got Lambert, Lalana, Schneidlin, You know, their ground. Everything was set against us, and so it was that whole build up of everything. And Michael Appleton played a, a you know a great card just before the game. We put on a motivational video. So we all sat there and it showed everyone's best clips and some music to it and stuff. And, you know, every now and then, sometimes everything's really worked. And I think everyone left that bus and thought, you know what, let's just have a right fucking go rather than thinking, shit, what's going to happen here today? Yeah. And, yeah, and so we've gone in there and we just threw everything at it. You know, players were chucking bodies online, down uh, and goals on fire, and we just give it everything. And then to be drawing one all and they go and score in the 91st minute, it's, it was sickening. It was, you know, it was so gutting. Um, and you just thought we've blown it. And then that ball spins up, we hit a long ball and it, the way it's hit up and it's spinning, you're like, I would never hit that ball because if it's going nowhere but into the crowd or I'll probably even airshot it because there's that much spin on it and it's dropping straight down. It's not even got it coming at me. And I just have a look off the ball and I was going to just hook it back into the box. But the only two players who could have been in the box were the two that jumped up to the same header. then I just thought, you know what? fuck it all in a split second this but i remember it going from ahead and i just let let fly with my left and to see it go in and to see the fans reaction my favorite bit now of watching it back is actually isn't the goal it's when the camera pans to the fans and to see that i i did that to them like made them feel like that that makes me feel like like incredible so i love watching it back for that but then i just headed straight for the fans jumped straight in and you could just see what it meant to them and the next game we had a home game in the weekend as i got out of my car there's always loads of fan, fans you know kick the grass and stuff but there must have been two or 3,000 this time after the back of that. And they all just started clapping as I got out of the car. And I was like, shit, Like this means them that much. And ever since then, God knows what, how long ago is that now? Right, good few years. I would say it still comes up on my social media every two or three weeks. Someone puts that guard on or says something or does something. Yeah, it's crazy. It's
0: the anniversary of it a few days ago, wasn't it? Is that right? Yeah, David Norris Day. Yeah, <laughs> <You know? laughs> I saw that. Yeah, it, it's yeah. Hashtag David Norris Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: it's crazy. And when I wake up on that day, it's every year, I almost I have like thousands of you know notifications, and it's it's just madness. And that's what that some like, some of them call it—the the Saint, the David Norris Day. And it's like, what is this madness <laughs> still going on? But I, but I love it. It's massive ego stroke.
0: Yeah, it's great. And and every football has an ego, right? Yeah, of course they do. Yeah, they of course to. they do.
1: Yeah, yeah. And You know, like I, I remember, like when I was when I was younger, I would be looking at, you know, I'd get bogged down by other players. That, put you know, when you read press reports, yeah. the scores you get in the papers and everything like that, it's all for your ego, you know. And and everyone's got it. Everyone wants to be liked. Everyone wants to, you know, be a fan's favorite. Everyone wants to do good things. And when you do it and you get it, it's a nice feeling.
0: Yeah. Obviously, Portsmouth had huge problems coming into that season. So that three-year contract didn't really um, come to fruition because of I think they needed money pretty much. So you signed for Leeds, who I think were interested in you beforehand alongside like a host of other Portsmouth players. But um, the main point I'm trying to make here is talk to me about Neil Warnock because he's one of my favorite people that I've never met. One of my favorite people in football. What's your memories of him?
1: He is a character. Um, I signed for him because I thought, well, look at the reputation he's got taking teams up. And I thought, wow, if you do that somewhere like Leeds, you're going to be an absolute hero, legend. Yeah. So I thought, perfect. Um, I think we might just at that time have got him. I didn't see the hunger that I'd seen at Sheffield United. And then consequently after, I think that might have just been a period or whether it was the club as well, which weren't, you know, didn't obviously work out for him. But he was great. It he, he was, he was something else to play under. I mean... For for a millionaire, he must be the hungriest man for a pound note that you know I've ever seen. He could find the players for this, for that, anything he could get some, you know, his hands on some cash in, some banter away, uh, he'd be he'd be at it. But but he was good. I enjoyed playing under him, to be fair. Um, you know, the, the training the training was good. He, 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 again, another manager that got players playing for
0: him. Yeah, um, everyone's seen that documentary where he, like he hammers people. I'm sure it's at like I can't remember where he was at, but it's one that I think. Division 2, Division as it was at the time was he because it looks like he's one of those people that tears into you but again is he one of those people that actually is more likely to put an arm around you a little bit and look after you and kind of almost like siege mentality with, with Neil Warner
1: when he, wants you, when he wants you on side and it's going, you're going into a battle with him and he makes you feel like that so it's everyone together um, he could tear strips off you but he does it in a different way it's almost like he's like fucking hell how can you do that you know rather than what the you're doing it's like almost making you feel bad for how crap you've been rather than actually just tearing a strip off you yeah. so it's like fucking hell lads I'm doing this I'm doing that What? how can you do that what are you thinking type thing so it gets to you but in a different way but it
0: works when you played for Leeds I think no offence to the rest of the clubs that are on there, but I think they're probably the the standout in terms of the biggest club, in terms of reputation in history. Um, Leeds, even in the championship, Leeds in League 1 is pressure, Uh, huge pressure, because as much as people take the mick out of it, they have got big crowds, they're a huge club. Do you feel the pressure when you play for Leeds? Do you feel as soon as you walk through that door, Ellen Road, there's like, just it ups the ante a little bit? Yeah,
1: yeah. It's like you say, it's a massive club, but you you know about it as well. Um, Personally, I think that some of the players that good players that don't do well there struggle to deal with that pressure. Um, for me, I was okay with that. I think by that time, coming through, you know, uh, an old school change room at Plymouth to the egos at Portsmouth and Ipswich, I was then comfortable with where I was at, and I could go into any change room environment and feel pretty okay with everything. And, and I played against the Leeds fans before and had a lot of stick, but loved it and like, like buzzed off them doing it. So I was okay with that. But it, it was a big club. I, I mean. Most clubs have fans and a minority of hardcore. Leeds is the one place I've been where you flip that round. Everyone's hardcore there. You know, it's, I mean, it's it's they are bang into their football and they'll let you know about it if, if you're doing well and they'll let you know about it if it's not going well.
0: If you do well, though, you really loved at Leeds, aren't you? They, they really do take you as one of their own. Yeah, yeah. And there was a couple of players in that team at that time that, obviously had come up from League One into the
1: championship and had done really well for them and you could see the adulation they got and and people loved them and you know that that, that was what you, you, you know when I signed as well that was one thing that you know you think that could happen if you get this right because if they are that into it you'll be a you'll be a legend to them
0: yeah it's what you play for isn't it pretty much that kind of stuff yeah yeah absolutely yeah were you there when Dave, the, the whole Dave Hockaday situation happened? Because I was, I was actually doing a bit of research and reading about that period where Dave Hockaday was there, and that sounded mental. It sounded yeah. bizarre. What, what, what was going on with that?
1: It was. It was, it was mental. I mean, I, I can only sort of, it's like a fleet of memory for me. And it, was just, it was just mental. It's, it's Leeds. It's a massive, massive club. So yeah. you expect certain things to happen with, with places like that. So what happened for a, a, almost like a manager, you know, with his experience and, and reputation to come in, it, it was bizarre. It was, it was crazy. I mean, and I had nothing against the guy and, and, and I don't think anyone else did. But I don't think the players could respect something like that at a club like that. Um, and I think it put them on the back foot straight away. They're like, I'm, I can see some of the lads were like thinking, what the what, fuck, what's this all about? Like, what's going on here? Um, rather than a manager with a bit of experience who's been there, done it, and you just go right—he knows what he's doing. Right, make sure you, you're at it.
0: Was he from? Was it Forrest Green? He came from.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it was—it was just a strange, strange appointment. But you know, I mean, sometimes it might work. You take a gamble on someone; it, it works out well. But a club like Leeds, I don't think you can really take that chance. I think, I think it. But the, the owner was a madman at the time.
0: Yeah, actually. he was Yeah, Yeah,
1: he was nuts. I mean, it, it, it was. There was some crazy goings on at the time with the club and, and he'd come in and try to strip it all back and the players this and that, but he was just a madman himself. And it was a mad time for the club. It was, it was difficult to be in and around and under at times, but um, I mean, it looks like they're getting it right now.
0: Didn't he used to like ring down and stuff like that to like get the managers to make substitutions? Like he would be in charge of like the team and basically what they did or try to be in charge. of. Is that right? That actually happens?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think I think this is what it, me personally now looking back. I think he went like this. He plays. He plays. Maybe ro- 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 reeled off four, five, six names, and then almost said to the manager, "You can choose the rest." That's what it felt like under Day a little bit. That's how it felt. So, but he would be if they'd gone against him. I mean, there was one player. It, Chilino hated anyone over thirty. He didn't want them involved in his squads or in his teams. Um, and I remember we went away at Watford, and uh, we had an older player. Yeah uh and I was on the bench because obviously I wouldn't be playing because I'd hit 30 then um, and he was ringing down to say take him off get him off now And but we're like 15 minutes into a game and no one's injured and the, you could see the manager was like I cannot take him off into now what is this going to mean to like football <laughs> because it's it's ludicrous that the chairman's ringing down telling him to take a player off without an injury and this so soon into the game even the player would be like and oh, this is like an an experienced player like you
0: know, been there, done it, and, yeah, you
1: can't and these
0: interactions—it like was, it was crazy. So Leeds, yeah, like you said, to have sort of sorted things out a little bit. Spent a little bit of time at uh, Peterborough, I think. Yeovil after that, but then kind of really um, played most more, more games. I think at Blackpool at that point. Who was the manager yeah. of Blackpool that brought you there?
1: Neil Macdonald. What was he like? So he was. Sam Allardyce's coach at Bolton. And ah, he ran reserves. Okay. So I played with him quite regularly for at least a season at Bolton because he was a reserve team manager as well. Um, and then I'd come across him, you know, when the hit win play against West Ham and stuff like that and said hello and, and Bates kept in touch. And to be honest, at that point, I had so what happened, I'd left Leeds gone to Peterborough for six months just to fill in the end of the season but the manager who yeah. brought me there had left at the end of the season so I was in on to a new club I'd actually only gone to Yeovil to get fit um the manager there had asked me to stay on and, and, and play uh but it wasn't going to work at that time things change a little bit you know when you're young you're hungry you do anything you go anywhere I went to Plymouth but at that time I couldn't do the Yeovil and back off no. trips regularly like with kids and stuff as well so I went there to get fit and then he asked me to stay I played the game one game and I was like I can't do this you know I've got I've got to, it's too much for me at this stage of my you know, life. So I went back up and I was thinking, what do I do now? I'm 30, 35, 35, I think. You're already written off um, by a lot, unless it's normally a manager who knows you, knows what you can do at that age. And so I rang a couple of um, managers that I knew I played under before, and then McDonald was one of them, and he just says, uh, yeah, come down um, Monday, have a little bit of training with us, see what it's like. And then he rang me back half an hour later, and he said, I don't know what I'm saying. He said, I know what you're all about. He said, come down and sign on Monday. And I was like, great. And then, and that was a good, it was a mad time, because I had that ownership stuff going on. So we would have like 7,000 people turn up to the game, and then at kickoff, there'd be about 500 people in there, because everyone else would come up, make their protest, and go home. Yeah. Um, so it was, a, it was strange, but for me, I knew I was then coming to the end. So I thought, I'm gonna enjoy this. I'm gonna take it in a bit more, and out of conscious effort to do that, and it was it, it was good because I knew it was coming to the end, and I did, and I enjoyed my football.
0: You mentioned there you felt you were coming to the end. Obviously, you are still playing at the moment, semi-pro, and there was a couple of clubs after Blackpool as well. But when is it you know that it's time to you haven't hung up your boots? So not to hang up your boots, but when do you know it's time to maybe? concentrate elsewhere and do something different such as your personal uh, your personal training like you have now
1: yeah for me it, i probably wouldn't have even thought that even now uh i was pretty much forced into it when i left blackpool i had um, a heel injury mm-hmm. at the end of the season so i thought rest it four weeks get yourself fit i thought well i've played 30 40 games in the league in league one with blackpool even if i dropped down another league i should be good to go again and i couldn't shake this injury off and then you go into the start of the season, I'm not with anyone, I'm still injured. you get towards Christmas. Now I'm 36 and now it's like, yeah, come down for a week here, or come and do this, come and do that. And that was when I thought, you know what, I'm putting that much pressure on myself to get back fit, to go somewhere where I'm probably gonna struggle now at this age to get a, a, a contract. Um, and so I just thought, you know what, call it a day focus on the gyms and what you're going to do after a little bit more, see what happens with injury. If you go and and do some semi-pro stuff and just see what happens. So I just left it for a couple of months and just got my my foot right and concentrate on the gyms. And that was when I realized I thought, I felt a relief in a way because I was that desperate to keep, to get back and and still be a professional. Uh, I was putting myself under all sorts of, you know, pressure. And when I'd said, right, that's it. I just thought, okay, a little bit of pressure off. It's not time to start focusing on other things a little bit.
0: Yeah. So final question. Um, Your five-a-side team from players you either played with or played against. It's always the hardest question, apparently. Yeah,
1: it is. Yeah, yeah, that's tough, especially when you've had no heads up. (laughs) (laughs) That's Uh, why um, I do it. But but we've covered we've covered a a few people, so I mean, probably Leinen would go in goal. Yeah, great goalkeeper. But but yeah, what a guy. then, players against, I was lucky enough, we got some good cup draws. So, uh, I played, we played Chelsea, Arsenal, Man City. Um, so, for me, Lampard would be in there. Uh, just because of, I actually thought, on the game, I thought, well, I'm fit, I'm just going to keep running and, and keep. And, and I reckon I'll be all right against him. But upstairs, he had me on toast. Like, he was streaks yeah. ahead of me. And that was when I realised, wow, that's the difference. Uh, we'll go with a Lampard, um, a Ross McCormack good striker. Yeah, but I mean, he used to wind me up because he wasn't in the best of shape and I was always, that was my game, but he had all the ability, Um, but he was, he was a
0: top player. Um, He's a nutter as well, isn't he? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah, he loves his, loves his night's out and this and that, but yeah. Um, He's Scottish, I think they love it.
0: Is he, is he Glaswegian? Is he Glaswegian?
1: I'm not sure. I'm not 100% sure. He's Scottish, so yeah, 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 yeah. Um, a lad called uh, from 5-7 or perfect Um, De Santos Giovanni De Santos from first yeah he was at Ipswich wow what what he could do with the ball yeah I forgot he went went there on loan didn't he yeah but he could get the ball off the keeper and run it all the way up the other end and no one could touch him Um, and I expected probably him to do probably more but again another one who liked his his nice outs and his his party time uh so now I'm trying to think half of the back. like called Jason Pearce at Leeds from my centre-back. I'm a big fan. Va- yeah. Well, yeah. yes, mate. Good start. I
0: know my um, football.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like, uh, I like a, you know, old-school centre-half. Someone who just wants to tackle and head it first and deal with the ball after. And he is a horrible creature. Uh, so, <laughs> I'd much rather have him in my team than against me. So, I'd have him in there. And then one more. What, what do I need? What's that? I don't even know where I'm at. I need one more.
0: Jaskalainen, um, Santos, Pierce, Lampard. Lampard. Yeah, we need one more. Uh, I'm going to upset people here, but I'm going to probably just go with
1: someone I've played against them David Silva.
0: Yeah, oh, fabulous. Yeah.
1: yeah. Just. You, what they, these players can do with the ball and how far ahead of the game, you know, it's, it, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, everything's
0: Ridiculous. easier. Yeah, so really um, underrated, I think Silva. Actually, yeah, for how good yeah. he actually is.
1: Yeah, because he he keeps his head down, doesn't he? You don't never hear anything of him, and that's probably like so. But what a player! And, and he'll probably get more recognition when he when he when he does eventually. Leave City and, and, and everyone will then respect, probably, and you get a lot more clout for what you actually did.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, mate. Um, Kraken love that. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you very much, mate. Good crack. No problem, mate. <laughs>